Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mino Lion Media presents the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kevin Waits again, and I'd like to welcome you to a new episode of Safe Conversations, where we unpack our bags and we talk about stuff that impacts us all. And we do this with hopes that we can somehow find a way to all move forward together as humanity, because that is the only way that we can truly move forward together. And so just like every other week, uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited uh, to have a an alumni of the podcast, right? Uh, we're welcoming back Rabbi Yossi Leibowitz, and, I, and I'm so excited uh, that you, you just accepted the invitation uh, to come back. So welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. It's so good to be with you once more. All right. All right. So just for the sake of our new, our new listeners, uh, can you can you just start off by just and I know you've done it in the past, but just tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, well, background, education, whatever it is you think we need to know. Uh, glad to do so. I'm a rabbi. I was ordained in 1979. That means so for over four decades I served in congregations. I have done a great deal of interfaith work. I uh, have been uh, awarded two doctorates of divinity from two institutions because of that work. Uh, it's very important to me. I'm married. I have four kids. Um, recently uh, received an award from Wofford College, Sullivan Award, for the work that I've done in community relations with other uh, various uh, religions and faiths and colors and creeds. Hmm. And right now I'm still teaching. I'm an educator at the University of South Carolina teaching uh, religion as well as history. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Can you now... You, you, I appreciate you mentioning your award, right? You kind of glazed over it. I want to go back. Tell me what that award is all about. Tell me some of the things that, that led up to you receiving. It sounds like a pretty prestigious award. And I it don't is. just, I don't want to take it for granted or glaze over it. So tell us more about it. Well, it came as a surprise to me. Chaplain Ron Robinson of Wofford called me one day. And of course, with my wicked sense of humor, I said I would never join a club that would have someone like me as its member. Uh, but it was a very prestigious award. It's given out selectively uh, to various Ivy League and other uh, places of higher learning. Mm. And it's a recognition for some efforts that you've made. Um, it really uh, kind of was, uh, uh, I guess, the cherry with the cream on top of my career because I had just recently uh, retired from congregational service after 40 plus years. And uh, it was a really sweet occasion for me and for my family and my wife. And uh, my one of my sons was able to attend and some of my dear friends. So uh, it was a fitting finale to the music of my career. And I, I prize it, but uh, I also uh, try to attain a little bit of modesty because there but for fortune, the grace of God go you or I. Yeah. Well, 
Uh, from me to you, congratulations. I know that it's well deserved, and um, you're you're and not even just now, but even in the past and in, in our talks, your humility uh, it 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 is heavy, and it says a lot to me. So, well, yeah. uh, con- congratulations. Well, thank you. You know what, Golda Meir, the only woman prime minister Israel once said to a congressman who said he was acting humble, he said, "You're not great enough to be humble." So mm-hmm. I guess I'm not great enough to be humble, but thank wow. you for that very kind uh, yeah. response. So, Rabbi, I reached out to you, and uh, honest, honestly, like I told you a few days ago, um, it was just out of concern. You know, I, I, I you know, been keeping up with so much going on across the globe, and and I and I and I, you crossed my mind. I thought about you. And, you know, I really just wanted to know and make sure that you were good and you were okay. And, and honestly, the first thing that made me think about you is I was, I was at an appointment. I was sitting in the lobby and I saw an incident uh, that happened where a group of uh, uh, Orthodox Jews allegedly spit on a group of uh, Christian pilgrims. And I was like... Wow, you know, uh, and and I heard what you said about the the award based on, you know, the work you've done with diverse communities and different religions. And when I saw that, of course, I didn't know, I didn't know about the award, but when I saw that, I was like, that hit me pretty hard because these are religious groups, and and you know, I'm like, wow, that that is like one of the lowest things you can do to another human being. And I just, I, I still, I still struggle to understand, uh, and, and I need your help with this, uh, but but what's it all about, number one, and even taking the religion out of it? Why would one human being think it's okay, in your opinion, think it's okay to do that to another? Well, let me uh, respond by first saying uh, a quip that I share with many religious groups. I don't care what religion you belong to as long as you're ashamed of it because every religion has its extreme uh, participants. And the group that I saw there were probably Haredi, which is a group of traditional Jews in Jerusalem. They're also in America that don't particularly respect secularism in any way, shape, or form. More than that, they have a monopolistic view that all of the old city of Jerusalem should be Jewish. Mm-hmm. And sometimes to describe something comes off as if I'm understanding or even giving it approval, which is not what I'm doing. I mm-hmm. share the horror of someone doing what they did, which was to spit a pilgrimage who was carrying the crucifix and the cross and other uh, uh, symbols of of the Christian faith. Uh, It was the holiday of Sukkot, a very important holiday, a harvest holiday. The Christian tradition adopted it as tabernacles, minds Jews of the 40 years of wandering. It's a holy festival. And I imagine when they saw these pilgrims uh, marching with the cross, they probably felt that their religious monopoly in the old city of Jerusalem was being violated. It should be their turf. That's not to excuse it, Mm -hmm. 
but there is a, a kind of monopolistic view that we own this territory. And if you ever go to Jerusalem, to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Jesus was uh, buried, uh, you, you would be astonished to see that there are 13 Christian groups that divide up the various places in that church and argue with each other incessantly about which part of the church belongs to me and which one belongs to you. So I'm not happy to see something like that happen, but I do want to assure your listeners that these are the extremes at the end of the Jewish world, and I don't believe that they are typical. And I would like to think that my efforts to understand other religions and to act with regard and respect is something that more uh, deeply characterizes most Jews, especially in America. I got you. And so, I mean, and I appreciate you breaking that down. That was very uh, uh, educational for me, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, uh, but, you know, I guess what I, what I really heard you say was, you know, don't let a few people, uh, the, the acts that they, they did or committed doesn't represent all Jews or all but, people of the Jewish faith. And, yes, and, I, and, I, and I get that. And I, I, can, I respect that. Yeah. And I received that. Um, but like I said, again, you know, I, first thing came to my mind was, okay, I was, uh, you know, was raised as a kid in the Methodist church. But I got along with Baptists. You know what I'm saying? I got along with Presbyterians. But but I understand that from what you said, it goes deeper. It goes a little bit deeper than, than, than my experience and what I'm talking about. So again... I appreciate that. Rabbi, in your opinion, not even just this incident alone, but how, how do we combat some of the incivility that's, that's currently going on across the globe? That's just one example that we briefly talked about, but how, how do we combat it? That's the $64 question to show, uh, to relate it to the old quiz show. That's the most important question that I think anybody can have in these tumultuous mm -hmm. times. Um, I can only speak from my own experience. Uh, I try to listen more than I, I talk. There's a wonderful Jewish midrash, an exegetical, uh, fanciful account that God gave us two ears and one mouth, that we would listen more and speak less. So the first thing is just to try and hear what other people are coming from. Yeah. Uh, you know, somewhat... Uh, Coincidentally, I taught a, a class today through Wofford's Lifelong Learning on Mary and how Mary is venerated, the mother of Jesus, and different views from actually different Christian groups and how uh, in various times Jews were critical and other Christians were critical of the other ways that Christians understood Mary. Uh, some actually believe that she is still present that she is at the right hand of Jesus as he's at the right hand of God. And what I strove to do, and what we all need to do, is to just listen to how important that feeling is of veneration, of respecting how it is there, to use a Protestant theologian, Paul Tillich's expression, their ground of being, how it is that they really have in their core a kind of review. Now, to listen doesn't mean to agree, right. but to relate to it as best as you can and then say, 
You know, I have a similar feeling from my tradition. When I look in the synagogue, the Holy Ark, and I have that connection to my own God and my own way of, of finding spirituality. That's the first step. The other step is trying to find common uh, grounds that you can work together. And once you work together on a project, mm -hmm. you get to know people in ways that you wouldn't just know by listening and by talking. Yeah. That's a, a common kind of... Now, in Israel right now, which is up front and center, along with what's going on in, in Hamas, I contribute to a group called Hand in Hand, which are a series of schools in Israel where Arabs and Jews learn together. And oh, that's wow. important. That's important to support that, because it basically says, you know, it is possible for us to be different and also to befriend each other and understand one another. That's obscured right now with all the horrible things that are going on, both in the mass killings that took place on one of the holiest days of the year, tortures, random killings, uh, unspeakable crimes. And now, of course, with Israel's right to defend itself, the retribution in their effort to get rid of this terrorist group Hamas innocents innocents are being killed in Gaza and that's a hard and then I would say Kevin that there's one group if there's one group in the world that can know what it feels like to be persecuted and to be harassed and to suffer it's Jews yeah Jews that's our long history and it pains Jews I would uh, reflect with you something that Golda Meir once said, she said, maybe someday we'll forgive you for killing our boys, but mm. we can never forgive you for forcing us to kill your boys. Mm. I mean, you know, and, and, and I feel that it's, it goes against our grain. It's, it's a horrific situation. Yeah. Man. So, Rabbi, how, how long has this beef been going yeah. on how long is this i mean that's that's what i call it when you have people that don't want to listen because you're absolutely right if we listen to each other the the empathy will, will take over if we we have empathy then we can give each other grace you know understanding that you come from a different culture i've come from a different culture we were both raised differently and we're different right but but when you get a group of people, they they ain't trying to hear that. They don't want to reason. Hey, no, we're not talking. Is is this the end result? I mean, is this what we get? Uh, a lot of times, I love what you said about, uh, and I love the information you shared about the school where the two groups of kids learn. But I mean, is that all going out the window right now with everything that's going on? There is so much anger and fury right now. It was said by a lot of Palestinians that the event that happened, the horrific killing and tortures on October 7th, it, ha it began before October 7th. Mm -hmm. And some have said, yes, it began in 2006. It began in the Yom Kippur War, the 67 War, the Six-Day War. And I would say it goes back even further 
to some of the horrible events that happened between Muslims and Jews mm -hmm. in the 1930s and what was then the British Mandate. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But there was a plan by the UN. There was a plan to divide Palestine into a Jewish enclave and an Arab enclave with a universalized Jerusalem for both to share. The Jews accepted it. Many of the Arab states refused. And there was a war for independence. That's what the Jews called it, the Israelis. Mm -hmm. But the Arab peoples referred to it as Al-Nakpa, the great catastrophe. Mm -hmm. And uh, the irony of all this is that sooner or later, it's got to be, in my judgment, that there will be two states and we'll wind up doing that which the UN wanted us to do over 75 years ago. But right now, you're dealing with Hamas. Uh, it's hard to debate with terrorists. It's yeah. hard to negotiate with them. And they are a terrorist group recognized yeah. as such by our government. Right. So let me ask you this. I'm almost afraid to ask, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, do you have any friends or family in harm's way right now? The answer is yes. All my fellow brothers, Jews, and sisters are my brothers and my yeah. Jews, our friends. They're there. Yeah. Yeah. Blood relations, no. Right. But they're all my brothers and my sisters. Yeah. And how do you, how do you, how are you coping with it? You know what I'm saying? I mean, is it, is it your, is it your, your faith that's that's given keeping you optimistic and giving you hope. I mean, how how are you? I thank you for asking. It's been a tumultuous six, seven, eight days. I have post traumatic Jewish syndrome. Mm -hmm. I remember as a young man the Yom Kippur War, in which there was a surprise attack, and it was as if thirty thousand Americans had gotten killed because the population at that point was little over three and a half million Israeli Jews. And I fell apart that day over 50 years ago. And I, I, I almost returned mm -hmm. to that event. And it's easy to become angry and hateful. It's so easy to throw up your arms in despair. Mm -hmm. So you ask me how I'm coping. Yes, I attended a rally. This spoke about what we thought was a senseless killing, uh, expressed concern at that rally for the innocence of Gaza, uh, many of whom really are not anti-Jewish or anti-Israel. It's the extremes like Hamas that bring pain to both sides. Mm -hmm. um, what do I do? I reached for my phone. I called up uh, online. Magain David Adom, Israel's version of the Red Cross, and I gave money so that there could be healing. And I gave also to the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society, which has an interesting motto. They said, we used to give money to Jews cause we, uh, because they needed it. Mm 
Now we give money and help to refugees because we are Jewish. We know what it's like. So I try and be proactive and I try and sing songs of peace and I pray. And I tell you, honestly, in the last six, seven days, there are deep moments of despair when I mm-hmm. think of the people right now whose lives are hanging on the edge, both the Palestinians, the, those who were kidnapped, and those who are watching relentlessly on radio and TV, will they be rescued? And there are whole families that got annihilated. And and the depth of the pain is tremendous. Mm. Well, I appreciate you being transparent and and making yourself vulnerable and and, and sharing that. And then, you know, I, I pray, I pray that you, you know, you, you get through it. I pray that everyone gets through it and, and, uh, and healing, healing does come across the land uh, because we need it. Um, hmm. So, Rabbi, what what type of implications, in your opinion, does the war in Israel have on the United States and the rest of the world? Well, you know, uh, the reason I became a rabbi, I'm not a politician, though there are aspects of being a rabbi that are quite political. Uh, is I don't fully understand this particular drama. And calling it a drama is a little bit glib. Mm -hmm. I would say that this is a proxy war. Uh, My own particular take, and I have no authority to really speak about this definitively, I think Russia is tragically attacking Ukraine, struggling for their lives. It's an existential threat. And Russia is in cahoots with Iran. And I am imagining that Russia manipulated their great chess masters to have Iran heated up, and Iran is back to Hezbollah in the north and the Hamas in the south, and took the world's attention away from Ukraine, which needs American support. And so our support then would be divided between helping Israel with the Iron Dome that stops what has been around five thousand missiles rockets from Hamas and we have some evidence suggests that if Hezbollah gets into the war they have over a hundred thousand rockets that they're prepared to send into Israel so this is part of a a greater global narrative and I think our president Biden is doing the best he can to thwart an even greater expansion of this war which is a proxy war, yeah, and uh, it's it, it's hopefully not inevitable. Right. Hmm. Well, do you do you believe that Israelis and, and Palestinians will ever live in peace? Well, the the national anthem of Israel is called Hatikva, the hope, mm-hmm. and I would say. It's already happening, as I shared with you about that school. And, you know, Israel, when it was trying to restore the land of Israel, they had an expression, dunam by dunam, like acre by acre. You plant a plant here, and it will spread. So Mm -hmm. seeds of hope is something which are taking place. The great tragedy is that there has been the prospect of a normalization between Saudi Arabia 
and Israel, which has now become put on hold at best or even derailed by this. And that may have been one of the agendas of Hamas because they felt we want to get back on the stage of this drama and hmm. not let normalization occur. Right. Hmm. Wow. If you had an opportunity to speak with leaders on both sides of the war, what what would you say to them? You know, uh, it's a wonderful question. My answer is going to be, again, somewhat glib and may sound romantic. I would just ask them, look at the photographs of little kids who are lying dead on the ground. Hmm. See if that can pull the heartstrings of your heart to maybe affect some kind of gesture of peace. Um, and more than that, I, I can't imagine what I would say to them. Because right now, the anger is so deep and abiding. And if you followed some of the reports on the TV, there was just one about an Israeli uh, kid who was tied, then he was uh, stabbed, and then he was burned to death, tortured to death. And right now, the fury is going to have to find its way out of this drama and right now there's fury among Israelis and there are anger on both sides yeah. but right now this one is really palpable we have not seen such medievalism except in the last few weeks few days I should say mm -hmm. Wow tough pill to swallow um, and again I you know I really appreciate you being transparent and, and being vulnerable and even I uh, want to come on and talk about it. I know, I could imagine, I don't know, I can imagine uh, the trauma that you spoke of, um, the trauma that you and your family are going through. And so I am not uh, going to prolong this conversation because I know I can tell, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, it it takes something away from you. Uh, so I appreciate you. I really, I really, really do. And I think, and I hope, that this podcast in your voice, your calm voice, uh, will somehow give hope to other Jews, will give hope to other people. You know what I'm saying? Um, because one thing that, that I love about you is with everything that's going on, you could have easily said, nah, Kevin, uh, nah, the hell with that. No, I don't want to come on the talk. I'm angry, I'm hurting, I'm bitter. No, but, but Rabbi Yossi took himself out of the equation, feeling how he's feeling uh, and, and still showed up um, to help heal the land. That's, that's the way I look at it. I, I hope that, I, I hope a million people listen to this and they are, they are inspired and they have hope and, uh, and healing comes across them. So, I thank you for that. Um, I started a tradition on my show since the last time you was on. And that tradition is, is I always give uh, my guests an opportunity to end the show with a question for me. Any question you want to ask, take your best shot. I'll do the best I can uh, <laughs> to answer your question. Well, you know, on the spur of the moment, I'd ask, what was it in your youth that allowed you and even impelled you to open up your heart and mind 
to listen to other people and make possible this freewheeling exchange of ideas and feelings. What in your life was stood out, stands out as that which made you be the person you are with these safe conversations? Hmm. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, Rabbi. Uh, <laughs> you know what? I would have to, and I don't know if I ever told you this, but I would have to lean in on the first 10 years of my life. First 10 years of my life, uh, you know, I was born in, in Harlem, New York, lived in Harlem with my parents and my older brother. We lived on the 14th floor in the projects. And, you know, I, I would make my kids laugh as they would get older and talk about Forrest Gump. And I would say, you know, <laughs> I wore those leg braces before Forrest Gump did. I had crooked legs when I was, mm -hmm. when I was a kid. Wow. And I had uh, asthma so bad that if I came in contact with the slightest dust particle, I would have like a violent asthma attack and have to go to the hospital and actually get shot. Inhaler wouldn't do it. I'd have to get shots. And the highlight of my day was when me and my older brother walked home, whether or not the elevator was working in our building. In huh. most days, the elevator wasn't working. And so up these 14 flights of steps, we'd have to go up three, four days out of the week and my legs would cramp up, you know, I would, I would cry. I would have, you know, uh, old steel wheel, steer wheels or, or dusty and damp. I would have asthma attacks and my older brother would keep, he say, Hey, come on, man, don't stop. Just keep coming. Just come on, come on. And it was, it was a tough time. And during that time, Rabbi, I didn't, I didn't have any hope. I didn't think, my life was going to amount to nothing. I'm telling you. The only thing I could see was that that sign on the elevator that said out of order. That's, hmm. I just, you know, I didn't think I would be able to serve my country in the United States Army. I didn't think, you know, I'd be able to go to college on a football scholarship. So I didn't think I'd become the first African-American police chief anywhere. You know what I'm saying? I just, I didn't have any hope. But something happened and, and and things turn around. And I believe that God placed favor on my life. And and, and there's a Bible scripture, um, Matthew 20 and 16, that talks about how favor will cause you to go from being last to being first. Mm. And, and, and so, you know, to answer your question, I believe in these conversations in this platform because I know what it feels like not to have hope. I know what it feels like. And I think if, if we can talk about different things that impact us all to give people hope, then things things can somehow change for the better. Yeah. So that was a that was that was like a Dan Rather question right there, man. You <laughs> you brought the heat on me with that one. But that was that was a great question and I really appreciate that. And a great answer. Amen. Yeah, really. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So is there anything else you, you want to add to the conversation before we close out, Rabbi? Well, a little bit. I was called by a lot of ministers asking me how I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And there was a member of the community for reasons that seemed at first a little strange. She called me when she heard about what happened in southern Israel. Mm -hmm. And she knocked on my door and brought me a basket of Israeli 
food items, <laughs> which I don't need because I have a girth that's a little bit too wide. But it was a wonderful gesture, really yeah. was. Yeah. So the outreach and people just saying, hey, how you doing, as you did for me, makes me feel deeply grateful and appreciative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Like I said, again, I do thank you. I know uh, that it's not just about you. And I and I appreciate that. So, uh, um, you you have a friend in Kevin Waits. Uh, if you ever need me, please do not hesitate to call on me, and I'll be I'll be there for you best I can. That's my Thank word. You, yeah. All right. So you've listened to another episode of Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits, where we unpack our bags, and and I always encourage our listeners to just because it's called safe doesn't mean we have soft conversations. We have tough conversations uh, with the hope that we could somehow bring humanity together and put humanity at the forefront. So until next time, peace. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is hosted and produced by Kevin Waits, executive producer Ken Johnson. Find the Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Odyssey, Amazon Music, or where you get your podcast. Find Kevin Waits on Facebook at Kevin Waits and join the Safe Conversations group. Follow the Mino Line Media Podcast Network on IG at Mino Line Media. Get the Mino Line Media app in the App Store or Google Play. The Safe Conversations with Kevin Waits podcast is a Mean Old Line Media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.